Hey Makers, welcome back to the Makers Guild podcast. So excited to have you here again for this, the third episode of the podcast. And today we're going to be talking about the sweet spot. So very excited to be talking to you guys about this today because I think that you're going to get some really valuable information, some nuggets that can help you to guide your business to become more successful. I'm Condrej Dole. I am a woodworker myself. I also am a business strategist. I run Makers Guild and my goal is to empower makers and creators to succeed in their creative businesses. And so that's what this podcast is about. And I really want to dig into this whole concept of the sweet spot. I got this from Mike Michalowicz in his book, the Pumpkin Plan, which as you guys know, I'm a huge fan of The Pumpkin Plan. It's uh, had a big impact on my business and uh, you can go so deep with the tools here to really grow a successful maker business. I think it's the difference between kind of a collection of a whole bunch of random sort of strategies and tactics that we can employ to try to you know get more sales and that sort of thing and a real kind of strategic business that is uh, really designed to succeed from the beginning. So that's what this sweet spot uh, diagram is all about. Just a quick note for my audio-only listeners out there, I'm going to be referring to a diagram called the Sweet Spot Diagram, which you can find on my website, makersguild.space. Navigate to the podcast episode and you'll see it there. But don't worry, you don't need that in order to understand this episode. You can see we've got the three circles of the sweet spot and these represent the different kind of aspects of our business. And when we get all of these parts working together in our business properly, and we've done a good job of getting everything here working, we're gonna land in this great location here, which is the sweet spot. And this is kind of where everything starts to flow more easily in business where we're not kind of fighting for every new customer and 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 grinding out for every dollar and uh and all that stuff uh it, it really this is the place that we want to be and the way we get there is by getting these areas of our business in line now let me just talk about what these are so the first one is top clients this is our top clients this is our target market this is who our business serves Okay, then we have in the this circle here, the upper right, is our unique offering. So this is uh, the, the things that we offer, that we sell to our customers, and the way that we're unique. Uh, and I really like that this is all about uniqueness because uh, if we're just the same as everyone else out there, it's going to be hard to be able to get the margins and to differentiate ourselves and stand out from the crowd. So this is important. Now, the final area here is systems or systemization. So this is systems in our business that allow us to kind of create the results in, you know, over and over again for our top clients. Now, as makers and creators, uh, I know uh, when I heard this, I kind of thought systems, ah, that doesn't sound creative to me. Uh, trust me, we'll get there and it's going to be okay. There's still plenty of room for creativity inside uh, this system. But what I want to talk to you a little bit right now is kind of the way this works and how we can actually kind of use it to diagnose our businesses a little bit of where we should sort of uh, focus on next or where we need to shore up if one of these areas is weak. So 
what's going to happen here is if we have some of these operating but not others, it's going to show up as problems in our business. And so, so the first example here would be, let's say we've done a really good job of, of marketing, you know, tailoring our business towards our top clients and we've created a great unique offering. So we we got the top clients, we got the unique offering, but we're really not systemized. And this is, I think, a place where a lot of maker and creative businesses end up being. And what happens then, that's kind of this overlap area here without having this part. And what happens there is we're really having to grind for all our dollars. Like every, every dollar we make is a bit of a battle. It's sort of the dollars for hours kind of approach. It's hard to get any leverage. It's hard to make any profit here. We're really grinding it out. So that's if we have top clients and unique offering figured out. Now, let's say instead we have systemization. We've got some pretty good systems in our business. And, you know, that might be like in a woodworking shop, you got a good collection of jigs and everything to be able to crank out the products that you sell. And you're really good at, you know, dealing with all the all the quotes and everything that comes in or whatever it might be in your business, but you've got it systemized and you know who you're targeting and you're doing a good job of targeting them. Um, but your offering is just not unique. You just, you're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. Like an, an example of this might be, uh, I noticed in my community one time, I, uh, there was a post somebody was looking for, uh, sort of one of those fun kind of kitschy signs or whatever that you might put up in your house and a lot. And there were like 27 different companies that responded to that post that saying that they could make this sign. So right there, it's going to be really hard for any of those 27 companies to stand out and be unique, right? So if you've got the systems and you've got the top clients, but you don't have a unique offering, then you're going to deal with price pressure, right? So you can imagine what those companies had to quote for, like which company won that contract or whatever, to, or the, you know, the job to make the custom sign or whatever. They must have had to bid so low because they were competing against 27 different companies and like the only way to really stand out would be to lower the price. So if you're stuck in this position where you're always battling for uh, trying to get a decent price, then maybe you have to work on your unique offering. Now let's say you've got the unique offering, you're creating something really unique and you've got it systemized. So you're doing a great job of cranking out some really unique product and you're able to do it like, you know, super efficiently and, uh, and you've got it systemized. The, then, but if you don't, sorry, if you don't have your top clients sorted out and you're not, you don't have your target market figured out, then what you're going to experience is your marketing is going to fall on deaf ears. It's going to be like nobody cares about what you have to do. All the, all your Instagram posts and all your advertisements and everything like that, uh, it's like nobody cares, nobody's listening. And that's because we haven't got the type top clients figured out. We're not able to uh, speak their language. We're not able to uh, market where they are located. And we're not able to um, grab anyone's attention. And so... Those are kind of the three areas, dollars for hours or having to grind it out uh, or here price pressure or in here we're dealing with uh, crickets, right? And so that's kind of the idea with the sweet spot. Now, if we can get all three working together, then it works out really beautifully because, you know, we've got the top clients. So we're, you know, having the right message to the right people in the right place 
right? Then we've got a unique offering. We're standing out from everyone else in uh, the in that industry. Like there's there's not people competing with us really. We're doing something really unique. And we've been able to systemize our business so that we can kind of crank out the products and all the different things that happen in our business um, are sort of flowing smoothly, let's put it that way. Then we're going to be in a sweet spot. We can, uh, we're going to get response to our marketing. We're going to be able to command a high price and we're going to be able to uh, produce things in a way that is not necessarily, uh, we're just 100% tied to our hours that we put in our business, that we get some leverage because of that systemization. Then we can actually make some real profits in our business and, uh, and create something really amazing. So this is the place that I would love for all of us to be able to make it to, and this is what I'm striving towards in my business right now. And, uh, and so what I want to do here is I want to dive in deeper into uh, these three areas so that we can kind of get some more clarity about, you know, what it is that we need to do, you know, depending on which one that we need to focus on. And the place that I would like to start is in the upper left corner because that's just the way we do things here, upper left corner. And that is top clients. So let's talk a little bit about top clients and why does it matter that we have a very clearly defined kind of target market that we know exactly who it is that we're targeting with our business. Uh, it's so, so vitally important. And it was a big mistake that I have made in the past. And I think it's really common uh, for us makers because we just kind of, you know, you first start out your business and you're looking for anyone to buy what you make, right? And so if it starts with, you know, family and friends, well, just like whatever the, those types of people happen to be like, that's who the clients are and then they refer to us kind of random people as well like it's and not that any of it it's not that it's bad doing business with with anyone or what you know it, uh, family and friends and that sort of thing um, but if we don't define it then we can really uh, sort of get ourselves into a bad place in our business and so let's talk about some of the benefits of having a really clearly defined uh, target market so um, having your top clients figure out if you know exactly what's the demographic of your top clients and these are like the ideal people like if you could have the best kind of that if you could just pick any you know the the for the perfect customer for your business kind of taking into account what we've talked about in the last two episodes our immutable laws, the vision, the uniqueness that we have as a business. Uh, if we can take all those things into account and find that kind of ideal person to work with us, then what's that person like? What's their demographic? What's their uh, psychographic? I don't know if any of you guys have heard about this kind of idea of the psychographic, but like how do they think? What are they interested in? What do they like to do? Um, where, you know, it's not just about kind of uh, the demographics, which is good, which is like age and gender and where they live and, and those types of things, it kind of gets deeper into what they value, what do they care about, what inspires them, what's exciting to them, what makes them willing to, you know, uh, sort of fork out the big bucks for your work. And so you need to define that as clearly as you can. 
Now there's some really exciting aspects to figuring out our top clients when it comes to the profitability of our business. And that really relates to that 80-20 rule. And I'm sure that a lot of you have heard of this 80-20 rule, but the idea is that 20% uh, of the inputs kind of or causes result in 80% of the outcomes or the, the results. So uh, this was, you know, the Pareto principle, if you've heard of that. Um, it's, also heard, it's also called a power law. And it's uh, really incredibly powerful to use it to analyze our customers. So one of the things that we can do is kind of go, hey, if we've been in business for a while and we haven't really defined our top clients, um, and we've been serving a bunch of different people, then one of the things that we can do to figure out who our top clients are is we can analyze the all the clients that we've had over the you know past whatever time frame that you want to pick and figure out who are the small percentage of those clients who resulted in the the biggest sort of percentage of our profits, but not just profits, but also kind of like the um, the best people that we've worked with, the people who we've loved working with the most, the people who share kind of uh, our, you know, our vision and that work really well with us. So I'm thinking about the people who align well with our immutable laws and the people who align with, well with our vision. So some of the things that we can do is we can take a look at, you know, look at the revenue that each profit generated for us and we can rank them according to that. But then, you know, that's, you know, revenue is a interesting number, but the number that really matters is profit margin, right? Is like how much actual profit did we make off of those jobs? Because sometimes some clients can bring in high revenue jobs, but then due to kind of, uh, you know, the process of working with them, sometimes some people are super picky and require all kinds of changes and that sort of thing and it eats into a profit line or they push us for price, they really battle away on our price or whatever it might be and we actually have a lower kind of profit margin that we make off of them and so uh, another way to rank kind of our customers is to do it by profit and I think that's a really good way to go. But then it's also worth adding in some other factors like <laughs> the one that I love from Mike Michalowicz is what's the cringe factor? So uh, if any, if this particular, as you analyze those clients, if each of them, if they, if you were to receive a phone call from them right now and you're seeing their name come up on the, on the uh, call display, how excited or how cringy do you feel answering that call? Are you kind of like, oh, gritting your teeth, like, oh man, here we go. Well, that client is not going to be, is not super fun to work with, obviously, and they're causing you pain. And so uh, that's something that's worth taking into account. Or, you know, what about those clients that like whenever they call or text or whatever, boom, you're on it, you answer right away, you drop whatever it is that you're doing because you just love working with them and you, uh, and you just have a great connection with them. So that would be really important. It'd be great to have more clients like them, right? Um, and then we can also look at some other things like how good are they at paying us? Do they pay us on time? Do they pay us up front? Do they, uh, you know, battle us over the price? Um, what are some of the other things? Oh yeah, uh, like how quickly do they decide on projects? Um, how many sort of revisions do they require? Like all those things take into kind of all take into account all the things that relate to working with a client in order to find the ones that are our top twenty percent.
And so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of rank all of our clients by that. And this sounds kind of harsh or whatever that, you know, you wouldn't like necessarily uh, have all your clients being equal. But the reality of the, the, you know, the reality is that, that some of the clients are a better fit for us as businesses, as individuals, especially as makers and creators, you know, as creative types, uh, we're going to work well with some people and not so well with other people. I mean, this is, goes across the board, I suppose, but, um, but I feel like sometimes it affects us a little more as creative type people or, or pouring ourselves into our work, right? And so I think it's really important to take all that stuff into account. So what we want to do is rank all of those customers. And a lot of times what you'll find is a small number of your clients account for a large percentage of your profits. And, uh, you know, of course, the difficulty comes when those same few clients are the ones who are also, you know, your cringe clients, because then then you've got a problem that you're going to need to figure out how you're going to address that. But in a lot of cases, uh, you're going to find that there's, you know, there's some alignment there between the people that we love working with and, and the profit. Not always the case, not always the case for sure. So you're going to have to do some work to kind of figure out who those top clients are. But then what you're going to want to do is once you've sort of identified, say, like the top five people who are your ideal clients is you want to analyze them to kind of see what makes them similar. Like what was similar? Did they buy the same product from you or did they, um, did you, you know, are they the same type of people? Did you find them in the same sort of places? Like what's, what's similar about those people? And if you can find what's similar about them, then that can help you to kind of get that profile of what your top clients are like. And the math is really powerful if your business follows anything close to a power law, which is where a small, small number of your clients result in a large percentage of your profits. If, if it's anywhere close to 80-20, and it may not be that high, but even, even as low as 60-40, you're going to notice uh, some dramatic results. So if you were to, say, be in a position where you had an 80-20 with your clients, where 20% of your clients resulted in 80% of your profit. Let's just, let's just make up some kind of example numbers here to imagine what it would be like. So if you were to say that you had 100 clients and, the, uh, and you made $100,000 last year, but if the 80-20 rule applied, that would say that 20 of those clients resulted in 80% of your profit. So that would mean that those 20 clients produced $80,000 for you. And the other 80 clients only produced $20,000. And you can see how this happens a lot of times. Like I often have these tiny little projects that I do one off for a client and, and I don't really make that much money off of it. And then there's a few clients that I do, you know, larger clients and higher value or projects or higher value um, jobs. And so I end up making, you know, a, a larger percentage of my profits are coming from a small number of people. And so if you can uh, now, so now what, what becomes really powerful about this that I really love is that imagine if you were to take those uh, 20 clients who produced 80% of your revenue and you were to find more people like them. You know, if you could if you could sort of multiply those people because you find out what kind of 
makes them all similar and makes and what they all have in common. And if you can find that out and then you can find more people like them, if you can market to them, you can speak their language, if you can get referrals from you know, your top clients of, of people like them, if you can figure out where they hang out and advertise to them in that place. And at the same time, if you were to be able to sort of eliminate the other 80 clients that kind of didn't produce that much profit for you and also probably produced a lot of your pain and suffering from uh, the cringe factor, uh, you know, slow paying clients, clients who complain about everything that you do, that sort of thing. If you were to get rid of those and replace them with your sort of A-list clients, First of all, first of all, just ignoring the profit, just imagine how much better your business would be, how much less painful it would be, how much more you would enjoy doing your work. Um, I actually have a friend who's just been in the process of doing this and he's been eliminating uh, gradually his really painful to work with clients and replacing them and, uh, and changing the type of work that he does as a result and it's been already he's experiencing just a lot more joy in his work and so um, yeah so imagine that but now let's do the math so if we were to say that those 20 clients produced 80% of our revenue and in this imaginary scenario that's $80,000 so that means the average client there produced uh, $4,000 right uh, so then if we were to get rid of the other 80 clients and we were to clone the 20 ideal ones five times so that we had now again we have the same number of clients we've got eight or a hundred of them now but they're all our top clients instead of making a hundred thousand dollars we would instead make oh man do the math four hundred thousand four hundred thousand dollars which is absolutely a mind-boggling amount of profit now I know that's an extreme example and I, I'm doing that to kind of make the point but like even if you could get a half of that result and you could get rid of your some of your most painful clients and replace them with awesome clients that you love working with and and you could you know potentially end up doubling your income or something like that like it's going to it's definitely going to increase your income right um, or it's very likely going to increase your income now of course uh, there's going to be some growing pains there as you shift your business and it's not necessarily going to just happen overnight and be the easiest thing in the world to do but you can see the power of that and why you'd want to move towards that um, so yeah top clients Okay, so I think you guys, I belabored the point enough that top clients are super important and we need to get that figured out. Now, let's get into just a little bit of what happens once we have our top clients figured out. Well, what we wanna do, once we've kind of defined that top client, maybe we've created a top client avatar. You can, you can Google customer avatar to learn about how you can do that. Say you've defined that top client, you've analyzed it and you've figured out who your top clients are. What do we do? What do we do with that? How do we act on that? So this goes across our entire business from A to Z, from top to bottom. We want to tailor our entire business to be completely focused on delivering the very best products we can deliver for our top clients. We want it to be completely custom and tailored specifically to our top clients. We want our message to be 
sort of targeted to our top clients. We want to be advertising the places where our top clients are hanging out. We want our products to be specifically uh, tailored to our top clients. We want them to be priced for our top clients. We want our customer service to be geared towards our top clients. We want our whole customer experience to be you know, tailored to them so that they have an amazing experience with us. And we just want to make sure that everything in our business is completely focused on serving our top clients as best as we possibly can. And just uh, delighting them and blowing their minds and just like making it so that they can't even imagine working with another customer and, or another business um, because we just get them. We uh, completely, um, you know, know what they want and are doing it, you know. Um, that's the thing that is going to just uh, really make this powerful. And this gets into the whole unique offering thing, right? We're going to, we're jumping a little bit ahead about that. But uh, they, I think they're so strongly linked. Um, but then even with our systemization, like how do our top clients like to be communicated to? Like, do they want, do they like to be phone, you know, they like phone call or do they like a one-on-one -on -one meeting or do they like a text message? Like what, what is the way that they like to be communicated? We build our systems around that. How do they like to pay? How do they like to, um, you know, be built? How does the, how do they like to manage the project? Do they want to, you know, uh, yeah. Do they want lots of communication, a little communication? Like what, what do they want? What do our top clients want and how can we serve them the very best? And what, works for one type of person might not for another type of person. So that's why we want to really tailor it to our top clients. Now the way that we can sort of take the knowledge of who our top clients are and learn how to kind of tailor our whole business around that is by doing something called wishlist interviews which you can learn about in the pumpkin plan. And it's so powerful. I really want to dig into it and we don't have time in this episode. So we're going to revisit that in a future episode. But before we get to that, we're going to cover the unique offering. We're going to cover systemization. So I hope that you will come back and listen to those episodes. In the meantime, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I would encourage you to take some time to think about who are your top clients? Who are your top clients? Figure out, do that assessment, figure out who they are based on the profit and cringe factor and all that good stuff. And I would love to hear from you. So please contact me. I would love it if you would uh, post in the YouTube comments or message me directly or hit me up in Instagram and tell me about your top clients. If you'd like some help figuring out who your top clients are, I can help you with that. I have some tools that I can walk you through the process of analyzing your clients to determine who your top clients are. And if you enjoyed this podcast and you found it helpful, I would love it if you would share it with another maker friend of yours, someone who might also benefit from it. And if you got something from this, you know, I would love to hear about it. Uh, so please message me about it. And uh, if there's anything that you would love to hear from me about as it relates to uh, maker business, please contact me. And so until next time, keep on making stuff and we'll see you in the next episode.